Turn with me to John, the 14th chapter. John 14. We've been on this subject for some weeks now. We're calling it the words of Jesus. And our text is right here in John 14. And verse 21 says, He that has my commandments, this is Jesus speaking, and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. There's a lot of love in here, isn't there? Is it important that you love the Lord and that you let him love you? It's not enough just to believe in him. I think a lot of people are missing it in this regard. You hear people talk about, well, I believe in God. The Bible said the devils believe in God. That's not going to get them saved. It's not enough to just say, I believe in God. You must love him. If you're really born again, and you really know him, you love him. And according to Jesus, how can we tell that you love him? You will keep his words. Now, that means you'll respect them, you'll receive them, you'll remember them, and you'll do them. You'll practice them. And that's the real proof. It doesn't matter how many times you say that you love him, the thing that demonstrates it is doing what he said. And what did he say would happen if you would do that? What would happen? I will love him and will manifest myself to him. The Amplified says I will reveal and manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Does this mean something to you? Are you hungry for the Lord to be more real to you? Do you know that if he told you he would reveal and make himself real to you, that he will do it, that you can count on it? As surely as you do that, he will do this? You can count on him. So we're excited about this. We're stirring ourselves up. And we know we don't have to work on him or remind him or try to talk to him to get him to do his part. We need to work on our part. And if we do our part, he will do his part. You can count on that. What's our part? Loving him, which is demonstrated by keeping his words. So we've begun in the book of John, and we're looking at his words. Now, all the Bible is his words, but you know, that'd be a big study. So we're focusing in on the master's words in the book of John, which is also a big study. But not nearly as big as the whole Bible. And we've been looking at verse after verse and chapter after chapter as the Lord would lead us. And we kind of got stuck in chapter 5. And that's all right, Because there are things that we've gotten into, I think you can already see, that affect the whole rest of the book and all the writings. They keep recurring. And it's imperative that we understand it now so we can relate and see things in the next parts. In John 5... Jesus ministered to the man at the pool of Bethesda, you remember. He walked over there, five porches full of sick people, and he walked to this one man. And he asked him, will you be made whole? 
And the man began to say how he didn't have anybody help him. And the Lord said, rise, take up your bed and go. And the man was healed and he stood up, even though he'd been in this condition for, what, 38 years? And was miraculously healed. And glory to God. People got mad. You should say glory to God. Everybody was happy and amazed. But it wasn't. The leaders became troubled and upset. And they questioned this man. And then they questioned Jesus. And their big contention is that he healed him on the Sabbath day. And that was in their mind working on the Sabbath which means breaking the Sabbath. So that proves this man can't be right. He can't be of God because he's breaking the Sabbath. Now that is faulty reasoning, isn't it? But it is with us today, my friend, in a big way. The religious leaders of his day were convinced. They convinced themselves And they felt like they had scriptures that Jesus could not be the Messiah and he couldn't be right because one, he came from Galilee and no prophets came from there and everybody knew that the Messiah came out of the city of David. Well, he was born there, but he didn't grow up there. But they didn't know that, and so they figure this proves that he can't be, and then he does these things on the Sabbath day, and so that proves he can't be right. And they felt like they had scripture. And you can hear the almost frustration in his voice at times talking to him. Because he was saying, search the scriptures. You think you got eternal life in them. You're clinging to them. You're throwing scriptures up to me. Isn't it amazing? They're throwing scriptures at the word. <laughs> Going, you can't be right. Look at this scripture. The word. <laughs> he said, you think you got eternal life. And they are they which are telling you, testifying about me. And you won't come to me. For all these years they've been preaching on the Messiah and on this and on that. And there he is. And they hate him. Isn't that something? These things are still with us today. All of them are still with us today. Scripture said the word of God's made of none effect by your traditions. And they were saying you shouldn't be healing on this day. You should heal on another day. Could he have healed on another day? (laughs) Look at what he said about it. Verse 17, chapter 5. John 5 and 17. Jesus said, my father works hitherto and I work. That made him even more mad. Verse 19, then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. Now we hear him repeat this kind of thing uh, several more times in the next few chapters. So could he have healed this man on the day before or the day after? Traditionally, we've been taught, well, certainly he could. He's Jesus. And he can do anything he wants to do to anybody whenever he wants to. And people think they're saying the right thing, but they're contradicting what the master himself said. 
We need mind renewal, don't we? Because we've had a bunch of tradition that we thought was the Word and it's not the Word. Could Jesus have healed this man the day before or the day after? According to him, no. He could only do what he saw. And he saw himself apparently go to this man on this day and say and do those things. And so that was it. Now John 14 we've studied already where the master said. Put it up on the screen if you would. What is it? 14.12. John 14.12 or you can turn over there. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me. The works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go to my Father. Now if Jesus just healed anybody he wanted to. Anytime he wanted to. Because he's God. How can we believe that verse? That we can do the same thing. I'm not God. You're not God. We can't just heal anybody we want to. Any day we decide to. Any time we decide to. And if that's what he was doing, how can we believe this? That what he did, we can do. You can't. But if he did it as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he would anoint us with that same Spirit, and we could learn how he did it, then we can see the glorious possibility of the same kind of things happening in our lives that happened with him. Oh, do you believe this verse? Put it up again, verse 12. Do you believe this scripture? Do you believe the words of Jesus? Red letters. What did he say? If you keep my words, you're the one that loves me. You going to keep these words? What did Jesus say? He that believes on me. Is that you? The works I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go to the Father. Well, we know how he did them. He told us. How he did them. He saw it. He heard it. So he said it. And he did it. And the Father did the works. Isn't that how it happened? Let's go on to John 6 now. You'll begin to see this happening again. And again. And again. Throughout this writing. In John 6. It says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. You know, when these special things happened, then people heard about it, and they came by the thousands. And just them having faith in healing and in the Word would get them healed now. It's not that he had to see every one of them like the man at the pool of Bethesda. Are you following me? Then see their faith is making them whole. But the special thing inspired it. And caused the word to spread around. And multitudes were getting healed. Jesus went up to a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover a feast of the Jews was near. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come to him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. He asked Philip a question. Does he still ask questions 
of his children, his disciples today? Is it possible he could ask you a question? Now, he's not asking Philip a question because he didn't know the answer. Scripture says he already knew what he would do. So why is he asking him a question? Scripture said he did it to prove him or to test him. Does he still give tests? Well, what's he looking for in Philip? What's he looking for? Well, what did he say? Philip said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Now, penny was the average day's wage of somebody working a job. So you'd have to compare it with, let's say, minimum wage or better, an eight-hour day. Uh, you're talking thousands of dollars, at least six, seven, eight thousand dollars, maybe more. All you got to do is try to figure out how much it would take to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. I mean, when's the last time you fed three families sandwiches and chips? It adds up. You're going to feed this many people. And so basically, Philip is saying, oh, Lord, $10,000 worth of Happy Meals wouldn't fix this. <laughs> well, how did Philip do on his test? What's the Lord looking for, do you suppose? What kind of answer or response would please the Lord? Well, we know Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So we know it'd have to be a faith answer, a faith response. Is this a faith response? Talking about the need and how much you need is not faith. Being need conscious is not conducive to your faith. Always talking about how bad the problem is, how bad the disease is, how much money it's going to take to fix it. I mean, once you find out, there's no need to say it another 9,000 times. Then Andrew, he spoke up. What'd he say? Well, there is a little boy here, and he's got five barley loaves and two small fishes. Well, that's at least positive. I mean, he did bring it up. A lot of people wouldn't even have brought it up. He's doing fair. And then he blows it. <laughs> Doesn't he? What's the rest of it? But what are they among so many? How'd these boys do? <laughs> what was the Lord expecting out of them? We know what kind of response would please him. Have to be a faith response. What would a faith response be? Is he really expecting Philip, to know about the miracle that's about to happen? No. How would he know all the details of that? He's not expecting Philip to go, let's see, wait just a minute. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, there's a little boy's lunch here. And you're going to get that and pray over it. And ooh, and you're going to put that to us. And we're going to pass it out. Oh, glory to God. He didn't expect him to know all that. Then what does he expect? He expects a faith response. Uh, the Lord said to the man of God, Ezekiel, on one occasion. In uh, Ezekiel 37, 
and 3. 37 and 3. He said, Son of man, can these bones live? Was he asking him because he didn't know whether they could or not? Certainly he knew. And he already knew what he would do. But again, what's he looking for? Faith response. I thought this was pretty good. Ezekiel said, Oh Lord, you know. (laughs) How many know that's head and shoulders above ain't no way? (laughs) That old dead dry bone live again? I don't see how. That's unbelief. And see, we're so used to hearing that kind of talk and thinking that it doesn't matter and it doesn't mean anything. We need to get our mind renewed. That kind of talk displeases the Lord. It's major in His eyes. He expects a faith response out of us every day and every night, all day long and all night long. No matter what comes up, no matter what the issue, what the need is, we're not going to have all the answers. We're not going to know the details. We're not going to know how God's going to do it, when and where and who He's going to use. He didn't expect us to know all that. He does expect us to come back with a, yes, Lord, I don't know how, but I know that you know how. And I know there's a way. And I know the Lord will meet our needs. You got to remember, these boys were there at the wedding feast where that uh, the water was turned into wine. They've already seen a few things. They should be able to give a response. He should pipe up and say, well, uh, this is going to take a lot of food. But, I mean, that wedding thing worked out real good. (laughs) And they were flat out of wine there. And I know that the Lord can do it. And I know that you hear from God. and, And whatever you tell us to do, we'll do it. And this will work out somewhere. Can you hear the difference in the tone as opposed to, well, we did scrap up this little old lunch here, but I mean, what in the world is that among so many? That's not a drop in the bucket. Now, the reason I'm saying it like that, you will hear, you can hear that talk at any church in town. And people don't think a thing in the world about it. They think, well, that's just life and it's just, who? it's hard. I don't know how in the world we're going to make it and Y'all just pray for us. For what? Pray for what? God expects, He requires faith of you and I. And we don't have to have a clue how to be able to respond in faith. Every day and every night, you can respond in faith every time. Can't you? Somebody says, well, man, this bill came up. We didn't know we were going to have to deal with it. What are we going to do? I mean, it's the end of the month. It's this and that. And we already have this. What are we going to do? Say, hush, that's enough. That's enough. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to trust God like we always have. And he's going to come through for us like he always have. Well, how's it going to happen? We don't have to know how. He will show us. He'll work it out. God expects every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, From the least experienced to the most experienced, he expects every one of us to answer and respond in faith all the time. Do you believe it? Well, see to it now that no doubt and unbelief comes out of your mouth 
You don't yeah, yeah, and talk the problem and magnify the need and how hard and how much and how long. Don't do it. I know you've been trained that way, maybe even in church. But get delivered and get free and get your mind renewed and become a faith talker, faith responder. And when the Lord asks you, what you going to do about this? How are we going to deal with this? Oh, Lord. You know, and you can do it. And I'm going to stick right here with you. I'm going to stay with you. And I know that some way, somehow, it's going to happen. And we're going to be all right. And all our needs are going to be met. And we're coming through. We're coming out. That is faith. It's good, strong faith. Just talk like that all the time. And your life will change. Well, he took the little boy's lunch and he began to do something. Verse 10, Jesus said, make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, a number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Now, he is doing this in a very specific way. Isn't he? Well, we got this lunch here. Oh, good. But what is that among so many? Andrew didn't appreciate the potential of a seed. Did he? He's looking at that little handful of stuff, and Jesus is already excited. We did find these little loaves and fish, and Jesus is going, that's it. And they're going, that's nothing. Don't despise a seed. Oh, the potential of a seed. And so he took it and he's very specific. He said, all right, now have everybody sit down and have them sit down like this and like this and like this. All right, now you men come over here and stand with me and I'm going to pray over this a certain way and then I'm going to distribute this to you and you're going to distribute this to them and then they're going to pass it to them. How many understand? Very specific, very specific. Why? We already know, how is he doing this? Did he just decide, I'm going to do something? Hey, I'm Jesus, and I'm going to feed this bunch. Uh-uh. According to him, he couldn't. Now, I'm quoting him. So how's he doing this? He said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear him say. So he had to have seen this. So when he's asking Philip, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? He himself already knew. How did he know? Father showed him. The father, is this exciting or what? The father had shown him. He saw it happen just like he saw everybody sitting down a certain way. He saw him praying over it. He saw him distributing it to them. He saw them giving it to the others. And he saw it multiplying. And he saw all the needs met. He saw the Father do it through him and through them. Oh, this excites me. This excites me. What's so exciting about this is John 14, 12. If you believe on me, the works that I do shall you do also. Well, how did he do it? 
the Father showed him. And our text says, if you love him, you'll keep his words. And what will happen? He will love you. And he'll what? He will manifest. That means show. Are we in faith right now about him showing us things as we keep his word? Are you? We should be expecting. And it doesn't have to be, we've touched on it, we'll perhaps get on it some more, but it doesn't have to be an open vision, falling into a trance. There are different levels of seeing, different degrees. It's happening all the time. Folks are just not paying attention to it. So he does this. I was reminded of a a man of God I heard some years ago uh, telling of an experience that he had. He was... uh, in his bedroom and about half asleep and praying some and and he had a he saw something he had a vision he saw himself go to a, a house he saw the he'd never been there before but he saw it and he went inside and he saw the color of the walls he saw the things hanging on the wall he saw the furniture and the color and the construction and style he saw people and he saw a little boy on a bed and the little boy was deathly ill and he saw him pray for the child and the child was healed Glory to God. Well, it wasn't a few hours after that, somebody came knocking on the door, wanting him to go pray for a child. Well, he's excited already. And so he gets in the car and they go. And on the way there, he asked the man, he said, do you live in such and such kind of a house? The man said, yeah. He said, are the walls painted this color? man said, yeah. He said, do you have such and such hanging on your wall that said this? The man said, yeah. He said, when were you at my house? He said, just a while ago for you came. (laughs) Is this what's happening with Jesus? He's seeing things. And so they went in the house. And there it was just like what he saw. Exactly like what he saw. House, color, walls. Furniture, walk through the one room, into the bedroom, there's that little boy, just like he saw, laying on the bed, deathly ill, same bed covers, same furniture. And so, boy, he's excited. He thought, bring him to me, bring him to me. Let me pray for him. So they brought him, and he prayed over him, and he got worse. And they thought he's going to die right there on the spot. Couldn't get his breath. So they're trying to work with him, and his mother's crying and screaming. And... The man sat down and thought, Lord, what is this? I know what I saw. And so he just sat down in the chair, didn't know what to do. They sat there for a couple of hours. And one of the men said he had to go and others had to do this or that. And the child finally was breathing in a ragged fashion. And he said, Lord, and he began to check back over what the Lord showed him. And he realized things were not just like he saw. There was a woman that was sitting in a chair doing a certain thing. There was somebody else there. He thought, Lord, I got ahead of you. I'm sorry. How many know we got a lot to learn about these things, don't we? He said, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me to see what to do. So he just sat there and he just waited. And this was in the nighttime. Well, about daylight, here come a knock on the back door and it was grandma. And she came in the room and walked right to that chair where he saw her and sat down and pulled off her glasses and wiped them just like he saw 
And one of the guys said he was going to leave, but he decided when she came in, well, he'd just stay a little bit longer. So he came and sat down, and the man thought, oh, boy, everything's just like what I saw. And he said, bring him to me again. And so they brought him, and he prayed over him, and glory to God, the Lord raised him up and healed him. Was it true that that man could do nothing of himself? He can't do this. What can he do? Only what he sees the Father do. How many believe we'll have more and more of this in our time? This has always been the way God operates. And he's teaching us about it now. And why is he teaching us about it? So more and more things will happen. Oh, glory to God. And it's not us doing it. It's him doing it. And then when some of these special things like this happen, the word gets out and people's faith is stirred and thousands can come and just receive with their faith. You don't have to have a special thing for every person, but you got to have some of these things. It's the plan of God. It's the way he moves. It's the way he operates. The servant's not above his master. If that's the way Jesus did it, that's the way any of us would have to do it the same way. So anyway, it happened very specific. And he did it just that way. And glory to God, everybody was filled. Verse 12. And then he said, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. And they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Why did he have them to gather up the fragments? There are numerous reasons, probably more than I know, but For one thing, just because God's the God of abundance doesn't mean he's the God of waste. This is good food. Why just waste it? I'm sure of all these thousands and thousands of people, some have said, well, maybe it was the little boy's harvest. I don't know, but I'm sure that somebody somewhere benefited from all this food. A lot of them had long travels to get back home. Maybe they took them a little packed lunch. Out of these 12 baskets, I don't know, but there was no need to waste it and throw it away. And then also, we wouldn't have known the extent of the miracle if they hadn't done this. We wouldn't have known unless they had gathered it up and counted it. And we'd know now there was 12 baskets full of food left over from this little boy's lunch. After all these thousands of people, I mean, it drives the miracle home, doesn't it? I mean, you really get the picture. And also, it reveals the nature of our God. Couldn't he have multiplied it just enough so that everybody got just perfectly full and that was it? Then why are the 12 baskets left over? Because that's his nature. I said that's his nature. He's the God of increase and the God of abundance, surplus, too much. Isn't he? Isn't he? The net breaking. Ship sinking, cup running over, 12 baskets left over, too much, God. He is. He is. And another thing is he's teaching them. He's going to have to talk to them about it in just a few moments. In fact, just to skip down to, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. In verse 26, John 6. Jesus answered him and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. 
Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you, for him is God the Father sealed. Their focus was too much on the food. In fact, the text here says, when they realized what a miracle had just happened with them, they wanted to make him king right now, and he had to slip out of there. And he sent his disciples on across the lake by boat, but he stayed and prayed, got off to himself. And uh, the Bible said he came to them by night walking on the water. Now, how's he doing this? How's he doing this? He didn't decide, you know, I'm not going to wait for the next boat. (laughs) I'm just going to, hey, I'm Jesus. I can do no, he said he could of his own self do nothing. He must have seen himself do this, and he did it. And when they got across to the other side, the next day the crowds couldn't find them. And so they all took shipping, the Bible said, and went over there to the other side looking for Jesus. And when they found him, they said, How'd you get over here? Because they knew he didn't go with his disciples. You know, he didn't tell them he walked on the water. Why would he? That would have just been drawing attention to him. You can learn so much, can't you? By everything that Jesus said and that he did. He didn't tell them. Now, how many folk would have done that? (laughs) How'd you get here, they said. They'd have said, hey, let me tell you what happened last night, man. And he called the disciples and said, am I telling the truth? Am I telling it right? They go, man, yeah, he was walking on the water. He didn't say a thing about it. He just completely left it out. Why? They had other issues that they needed to talk about. He tells them why they're there. He said, you're not here because you saw the miracle. You're here because you got your belly full. And you're looking for another meal. And he said, you don't just need to be working for the food that perishes. That's one reason why he had them to gather up the fragments. That would help them get their thinking oriented because they're already thinking, wow, do you know what this means, man? What? We just stay with this guy. We don't have to work. We don't have to farm. We don't have to cook. If anybody's got a sardine or a cracker or something, we just give it to him. And he prays over it and shazam, we all eat, man. All we got to do is hang with him. And see, him telling them, no, now pick up the fragments. Should have been putting something in their mind already, right? No, don't try to live in the spectacular. It's not God's will that we be in such dire straits that we have to have a spectacular miracle just to make it through every day. Thank God we need it and we can have some of these things, but it's His will that we be blessed and abundant. We have excess. We don't just have to have manna fall out of the sky like the Israelites in the wilderness, but we get on into Canaan's land with abundance and surplus, the land that flows with milk and honey. You don't need manna falling out of the sky. And see, that's exactly what he began to talk about was manna. 
in this chapter. Because they're thinking, oh, cause see, these are Jewish people. And they've heard this all their life about the manna that came down. And they thought, man, it's happening again. We just hang with him and we get to eat all the time. He said, no, we're talking about heavenly bread, not natural bread. John 6, are you there? Jesus said, verse 33, The bread of God is he that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then said they to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. See, that's their mind. Well, yeah, Lord, do this all the time. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. I said to you that you have seen me and believe not. Now, here's their real problem. They do not yet believe in him. Then why are they there? If you read the rest of it, you find just another verse or two that the Jewish leaders were there and begin to accuse him and find fault. Well, why were they there? People were there... Because it's the happening thing right now. Did you hear about the loaves and fishes? Did you hear about the man at the pool of Bethesda? Miracle seekers. But they didn't believe in him. And there were fault finders. People that wanted to find fault with what he did. But they didn't believe in him. And a whole bunch of people just looking for free food. Things hadn't changed all that much today, have they? (laughs) But they weren't believing in him. And that's what he said. He said, you know, this is the issue. You've seen these miracles, but you don't believe in me. You've seen me, but you don't believe. Verse 37, all the Father gives me will come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Skip on down verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him. Now these are guys that paid their way and rode ships across the lake to find him so they could find fault. And maybe get a free meal. (laughs) Did you know people will eat your food and stab you at the same time? Ah. I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, his father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I came down from heaven? Jesus said, murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 47, he said, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Somebody say, he is the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves. And they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then Jesus made it worse. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, absolutely, 
Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. These things he said in the synagogue. Verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples when they heard this. They said this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. He said to them. Does this offend you? What and if you see the son of man ascend up before. Where he was before. It's the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you. They are spirit. And they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. See, that was the real issue, wasn't it? Now, friend, here's something that's a real eye-opener. Why didn't Jesus try to explain this to them a little better? You read here just a few verses later. They all left. They left by the thousands and did not come back. Why didn't he say, oh, guys... Now, I'm not talking about literal cannibalism. Why didn't he try to explain it to them? Why didn't he go after them? Because it wasn't the issue. They didn't believe in him. And they're just using this as an occasion to show it. It wasn't a misunderstanding. It was a manifesting of those that believed and didn't believe. Faith is tested when you don't understand. I know years ago I read the book of Job as a teenager and didn't understand it and didn't understand it and didn't understand it. And even years after going to Bible school and finally one day I wrote something in the the top of the page over the title Job. I kept trying to figure out, they kept trying to figure out, why did this happen to Job? That's the big, big thing of the whole book. Why? He wants to know, why did this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? You ever heard about that before? And they're trying to explain to him why. And he's telling them he don't accept their version of why. And they're back and forth and back and forth for 40 chapters. And then I finally saw it. The Lord himself came and spoke to Job out of a whirlwind. You remember that? And you know out of all the things he told him, what he didn't tell him? Why? He asked him questions. Did he understand? Was he there? Did he see? Did he know? And I saw it, finally. The real test of your faith is when you don't know why. When you don't understand. That's when your faith is really tried. Notice. The Bible said they all left him. He didn't run after them. He didn't try to explain it. He didn't chase them. Verse 66. From that time many of his disciples. Many of what? These are people that claim to be his disciples. 
Not just casual visitors. Many of them went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus to the twelve, will you also go away? And what did they do? Did they believe in him? Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Oh, listen to this next part. And we what? And we what? We believe and what else? We're sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so they stayed. You think they understood this teaching on eat my flesh and drink my blood? No, they didn't understand that. But they believed in him, didn't they? And because of that, I mean, there's the same flow throughout this whole chapter. When he asked Philip, where are we going to get food to eat? What's the test? He didn't expect him to understand all that. He does expect him to have faith in him. Doesn't he? Jesus purposely didn't explain some things. He purposely said it. His father directed him to say it that way and didn't direct him to explain it. Why? Because you're tested when you don't understand. But just because you don't understand doesn't mean you got to run or quit or unhook. You know, that same thing is happening in churches today. First John 2, John said this about people that were a part of them in their assemblies and then later left. 1 John 2, 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. They would have stayed with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. All these people were with Jesus, but they didn't believe in him. And as soon as something came up they didn't understand, whew, they're gone. Same thing happens today in all kinds of ways. And people go, well, I thought they were my friends. Well, you thought wrong. <laughs> I thought this and I thought that. Well, you shouldn't have thought that. There had not been anything to try it. And the first thing that tried it showed it wasn't there. Oh, come on, can you see this? And see, people get all upset because, well, I thought they were my friend. Well, you shouldn't have thought it. You were the one confused. You were assuming something that you had no reason to think. I mean, as long as the party's going on and free food is everywhere. Come on, and people are getting healed and everything's honky-dory. Then, hey, everybody is your friend. And that Jesus, he's all right. Oh, man, yeah, we talked about to eat yesterday. Whoo, we had a belly buster. I like that Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Let's make him king. Yeah, that's right. Make him king. Oh, he ought to be king. Next day. The next day. This is weird doctrine. I can't handle this. What are you talking about? Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. That's gross. <laughs> what? What? And they left. Because they didn't believe in him to start with. Look at the contrast. He looks at the twelve. He said, you boys going to? Peter said, uh-uh. Nope. Where would we go? 
you got the words of eternal life. We believe. And we're sure. You're the Christ. How many know when you believe in him, you give him time? Oh, did you hear that word now? When you believe in him, you give him time. These other folk didn't believe in him, so they had no time. They're gone. These guys believe in him. They say, well, I don't know what he was talking about, about that flesh and blood stuff. But I know he's right. And I know he knows what he's talking about. And I'm staying. How many of every one of us will be in that situation at different times in our life? You won't understand. You won't see. You won't know. And he doesn't expect you to know everything. But he does expect you to trust the one who's always been there for you. Never lied to you. Never let you down. Never failed you. He does expect you to step up and go, Lord, I can't see that. But I know this. You're faithful. You love me. I trust you. And I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm staying with you. Everybody else can leave if they want to. But I'm staying with you. Because you have the words. You are the life. You are the bread of life. You are the resurrection and the life. You're the Lord. You're the Savior. You're Him. You're it. You're everything. I'm staying with you. When I see and when I can't see. When I understand when I can't understand. Because I know that eventually you'll show me. Eventually you can make it plain to me. Even if I'm not getting it. When you trust somebody, you give them time. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.